Welcome to the Bread and Cup podcast hosted by Corey and Shauna Burris. They are a former pastor, a college teacher, and Pacific Northwest coffee lovers. Mostly, they are Jesus followers who find themselves in lots of interesting conversations with non-Christians, former Christians, wondering Christians, and young adults from all kinds of backgrounds. And we want to invite you into those conversations. The Bread and Cup podcast is a place for real talk about the Bible, life, and what it takes to move beyond the easy answers. So let's grab a cup and join the conversation. Welcome to the Bread and Cup podcast. I'm Corey. And I'm Shauna. And today we aren't eating a whole lot. We're having some crackers, uh, wasa crackers. I love them. They're very yummy. And I buy them. Just so you know, those are the ones that you get at, at, at Ikea. Ikea when you put oh, butter on them. They're the best. They're amazing. Butter and the lingonberry jam or butter and Havarti, which I know is a little crazy because Havarti is kind of butter already, but yep. man. You can't have too much. But we're not thing. eating it on the show because it would it's be crunchy. It's too crunchy. So it's what we are eating today, but not on this show. And uh, for coffee, we're doing the classic El Salvadorian single roast medium. And I'm having a little honey in mine. It's nice. It I, is I nice. will say that uh, I just uh, was hanging out with a friend and he is starting a uh coffee roasting thing so i'm going to try to we're going to try to get some of those coffees on here and i nice. will we'll be able to talk about them so it'll be very cool but it i'll let you more cool. about that when it happens yeah till then el salvadorian all the way people right actually i had what did i have this morning um i was it a, i think it was a colombian it was really good that's great yeah it was fine um, um actually, yeah it was great and, and this and this week we are talking about um the concept of love. We talked about love versus hate last week yeah. and what that so means. So we're sort of continuing that so conversation. We're kind of rolling off of that into this concept of more romantic love and is how it, how important is this romantic love because we grew up in the church. Yes, we did. We grew up in youth groups where like I remember going to youth group and being like the point of me coming here is to learn about Jesus. And to find girls. a girlfriend <laughs> that will lead to be my mar- my wife because that I want to be able to get married really young. And we were married very, very we young. Were. It was not because of that, but... Um, but that, or was it? But I think that that's very common in like the evangelical church and, and yeah. the, um, is that we put a huge emphasis on romantic love. Yeah. Um, and I think to some extent, it's a good thing. Some of it is a good thing. Sure. But... Is it a biblical thing? And that's what we're going to discuss today. Yeah. So the classic um, Bible verse for weddings, even for people who aren't particularly religious but happen to be getting married in a church, is um, 1 Corinthians 13, right? It's the love chapter. We quoted it last week. Um, And it's sort of come to be synonymous with romantic love and the wedding ceremony. Right. Right. I will say this. I have performed a couple of wedding ceremonies, and I don't believe I have ever used it. Well, you know, we're rebels like that. Kind of a big deal. Yeah. Nobody's nobody's recognizing. But I'm going to read a little bit of it because (laughs) you referenced that it was last week, but um, I want to actually read a little bit of it. And that is the one that everybody wants. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. it It is not proud. 
does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, and it keeps no record of wrong. And what we typically do is when we talk about, well, when you're in a relationship, that's your example of how you should be treating each other yeah. um, and whatnot. That's and, not a bad idea. No, it's not. No. And, and the Bible does talk a lot about marriage, and yeah. it talks a lot about, uh, you know, it even compares uh, Jesus' relationship to the church and uses marriage as a parallel between Absolutely. those two because I think that the bride that, and the that groom. institution is a good thing. Yeah. But that's we're not talking about the institution of marriage. We're talking about the idea of love on the romantic side of things. Yep. And so the common love for that, the common word for that is eros, right? And eros form of love goes all the way back to the Greek uh, philosophers. Um, Socrates and then Plato, they used it to mean um, this sort of the the very romantic form of love. It meant love in the sense of this kind of passionate desire for an object, typically sexual passion. Um, and a, a scholar, Nigren, describes Eros as the love of desire or acquisitive love um, and is therefore egocentric. Um, it's sort of seen as scholars who look back on Greek philosophy as very selfish response to the merits of the love the the one who's loved. Basically, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, they're so hot, I think I'm in love. And here I will say that sort of the classic evangelical youth pastor feeds into that, right? Like, oh. hey guys, look at my hot wife in the front yep. row. Maybe you could do it better. Did I ever do girl. it? I you might have once or twice. So I apologize to everybody who was in the youth group and when I said that. Yeah. So, because let's be clear, I am not hot and we should not talk no, about I didn't, that I didn't, from stage. I didn't, I didn't. That's not true. <laughs> but right, but that No, but I mean that that's yeah. very much an Eros perspective and that I think that that is pervasive in Western culture, right? It is when when we say love, even the cartoons, right? That wolf where he would get the little hearts shooting out of his right. eyes or out of his chest, that like ooga kind of thing. But it's also the center for every little rom-com with their little meet cute where they bump into each other. And the merits of their attraction has nothing to do with the character of those of those individuals, right? It's entirely on the merit of their their attractiveness. And I would think now, you know, y'all already know that we're old enough to be talking about old movies, but she's all that, right? When it's sort of the nerdy girl with the glasses and the mousy hair and the dowdy like outfit. Every teen wrong. Right. Yeah. And that then for whatever reason, whether it's the, you know, the mean girls that get a hold of her or something happens and suddenly Pretty in Pink is a pretty similar story if you're going all the way back to the 80s, where suddenly there's this like transformation of her exterior. Pretty sure Pretty in Pink is like a movie from the 50s, but that's pretty okay. In, babe, pretty in Pink I don't is know, part of the romantic. classic 80s Brat Pack series. I'm looking this up on my Ollie, Ollie, you can just send us emails or comments. You can always find us on Instagram at, at Bread and Cup Podcast. Let us know what you think about Pretty in Pink. And you can go ahead and shame Corey for not knowing about that movie. He's old enough. He it was should. in 1986. I'm totally wrong and I'm sorry. <laughs> but, but the point of that, right, of those movies is that 
this that usually it's a girl this girl was lovely although can't buy me love was sort of flipped on its head right where the the male was disregarded because they were not classically beautiful and that then the one who is classically attractive and beautiful somehow begins to see them in a different light but then they become physically attractive they fall in love with them usually because they now look hot it's eros love they're not taking action to act lovingly towards them or making a commitment to them it's boy they look hot and by the way we're i don't think we're saying that it's wrong to be physically attracted or to want to or or any of those things right like but that is not the it is a very tr- different view than the way that we pursue love now i guess is the best way of putting it right and so okay so we've sort of picked this apart a little bit and we'll i'm i'm so we started with socrates and plato right we're going to scale forward a little bit borrowing from them that from the earliest that we understand these greek philosophers that throughout their time and then sort of the rest of modern human history this idea of romantic love was was sort of considered foolishness it it was not something to be valued or upheld and i mean if you think about it think of the ridiculous things you do when when you have you know sort of a mad crush on somebody or you're sort of in love right there's plenty of western examples of that as well but that this idea of romantic love as a driver really has only come about in about the last 150 years so even if you look at some of the the more classic, the Iliad and Romeo and Juliet, which predates the in, in industrial period, those stories, we now see them through this eye of love equals eros in our Western view, because we've idealized that through the romantic period. That's what happened. Um, sort of sexual attraction and the romantic perspective became the highest ideal. But prior to about 150 or 170 years ago, like if you think about Romeo and Juliet, that Shakespeare, what however you land on who Shakespeare is debate, Shakespeare's making a pretty clear statement that these kids are nuts. People are dying all over the place because these two people want to make out. It's crazy. Right. This is not a story of some this is not some grand love story. This is this is a cautionary tale of don't let arrows get the best of you. You're going to find yourself in a hot mess of death and family destruction. Right. And we've taken that, and God bless Leonardo DiCaprio and and Claire Danes. Danes, thank you. Love that version. Um, they've they've sort of we've westernized it by making it this ideal, but it isn't. And it really was marriage and the idea of being in love um, within that construct happened. Because once industrialization took over and people's security, financial fortunes were not reliant on family alliances as the world became larger and more stable, it wasn't so much like tiny kingdoms that needed to fight for their agricultural space. You didn't have to worry about alliances. You could then um, just 
marry um, whoever you deemed attractive at the moment. And then we have now, through the romantic period, really scaled that up to it's every song on the radio. Right. Taylor Swift has created an empire out of Eros. The in, in the entirety of Hollywood right. has created an empire out of Eros. And so now, so now we fast forward to what you commonly see as the response out of churches and out of uh, well, and out of Hollywood, and that's this idea that there is this one out there for you to love. Yes, my name's Corey. You are the one God destined me for. If I exactly. were to believe, right, the earlier sermons in and our lives, and so and and when you see them you're you know the eye the hearts come jumping out of your yep. eyes or maybe they don't right away but eventually you see them yep. for who they truly are and then this passion comes you, into play and all yep. of this stuff you stop noticing that other brunette right and yeah. and the thing is is notice me that that concept um is kind of it's kind of hurt a lot of people in the church. Yeah. I know of a lot of people. I know of people, I think of somebody right now that um, he talks to me all the time and he he's he's older. He's almost, he, I think he's 30 now and he's not married and and he's concerned about like, oh, I, you know, like I don't have anybody. And I remember we had a good friend in, in college yeah. or actually that we were in ministry with and she was older than us and she had not gotten married and she was convinced that that love had passed her by and she missed the person or she missed this opportunity. And, um, and it's such, and the problem with that is that we're seeking after this thing that God actually didn't promise for us. Right. Um, and, and, and doesn't always have for everyone. Yeah. Um, but, but I want to I want to preface that with it's not bad to want those things. I don't no. think it's bad to. Oh, we would be, we would be horribly out of line to sit here in a marriage, right? Of course, where we really genuinely like each other, and then pre- <laughs> pretend that it's not okay to want this, right? I mean, right. That would be grossly hypocritical. I think being in a marriage and and acting in love towards each other and loving each other is wonderful. But it is not the end-all, be-all that the church has made it out to be. Right. And I think that is where the problem comes, is that as we understand that we are not promised um, this. Yeah. And so, therefore, we, we lose sight and we lose a little bit of who we are. And yeah. we find too much of our identity in wanting romantic find, love. Wanting romantic yeah. love, and I think that that's the problem. Like we talk a lot about. Um, I mean, there's all these debates about um, who are you? How do you feel? You know, I I I feel this certain way. Yeah. And we put a lot of weight into those things. And the reason yeah. we're putting a lot of weight into those things is because we do. We have somehow allowed our identity to be ident- or, or to be placed within this eros love. Yeah. Yeah. That's and I mean that that is where we're going to head for next week, right? This 
the the act. Yeah, that the problem or the fall down that happens when we um when we lift up Eros love above anything and everything else. And um that the call to love one another and the call to express love within a gospel view is, as we talked about last week, it is to value the other person um, that you are engaging with as a full-fledged human that has equal standing with yourself. And the problem with Eros love is that you're not valuing them actually as a full-fledged human, right? Mm. Even the secular authors, either the even the secular philosophers acknowledged that Eros love sort of begins and ends in a selfish standpoint. It is a, this object creates desire within me. And so to pride or prize Eros love is, is in, direct conflict to the gospel view and you can have a you can have a sexual attraction and remain in a gospel view right when the when the person on the other side of that is not the object of your desire but is the recipient of your care and um clearly i mean there's an entire book of the bible that's about a romantic relationship yeah. And that acknowledges sex. It's very if awkward we believe, when yeah. they, oh, I mean, in youth group, you just yeah. read it off every once in a while and everybody giggles. Oh, man. Song of Solomon. As grownups, you know, we've gone, okay, so we've gone to several marriage conferences as, obviously, as married adults, because that's who gets to go to these. And when the speakers stand up on stage and they start getting into details, I feel like I'm good. I, d- right. I don't want to know. I don't want to know. And, and And for that very fact, I doubt well, for many reasons, but I sort of doubt you and I would ever be asked to speak at a marriage conference because I just really don't think I'm going to talk about that on a stage. It's it's probably not going to happen. That is true. So if there's anyone out there that was thinking of asking us to do that, now you know why you shouldn't. So so how do we view this? Because I, I think that it's... Um, I think that we have disproportionately balance the scale in terms of understanding of love. Yeah. I think that, I mean, ultimately that's what we're saying, right? Yeah. Like we as, as people and, and as a society, uh, but also the church has adopted this Absolutely. And, and we have, we have unbalanced the scale of how important it is to have Eros love, how important it is that, that, this passion that burns within you. Or even just the idea of partnership. And I think that's, um, you know, Paul in his letters was very clear that, that being married is not wrong. Right. And I mean, in Genesis, it's, it's not good for man to be alone. And that there's this idea of go forth, be fruitful and multiply, um, which is garden language, but clearly is relating to having children. So biblically, being married and being in partnership um, is a good is a good thing, but it is not the thing, and that's sometimes where I think the church falls down. Right, that it is difficult to find a ministry position if you're a single person, whether you're male or female, depending on if you're in a denomination that would license a female, 
right? That we'll talk about that. Um, we will. <laughs> yeah. Um, Sorry. <laughs> no, and we can certainly talk about that. Probably not on this episode, but 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 we do. We make this. We make marriage a qualifier, and that's really where I have a problem because we the church has agreed with and adopted the rather new Western view that um, marriage is the outcropping of eros and that, and then we make being married, um, at least in the evangelical movement, a a bit of a, a bit of a um, entry card for being in ministry. And while we might say effectively, well, that's not totally true. We have lots of single people. Um, we've been around the church long enough and we went to Bible college and have followed the trajectory of our friends and their, their ministry lives. The fact is, is that those who are married always go further than those who don't. And that can't possibly be because of their calling. Yeah. Cause sometimes their marriages are pretty rough and, um, for those that are. And so I, that's a bit of a problem for me. And I'm just going to leave that there, that that's a problem for me, that we've created a system where instead of genuinely acting in love towards each other as a community, and instead of um, lifting each other up in accordance to the gifts that we have been given, whether teacher or pastor or prophet or, you know, that that we've somehow tied this idea of romantic partnership um, to an evaluation. And I think for me, what is frustrating, because I mean, I agree with you. Like, I don't like that. um, I don't like that we have done that. Um, I think that churches would argue, well, the reason we do that is because if, you know, there's sexual sin and other things that, and it, it opens the door for mm. inappropriate relationships within the church. Sure. Yeah, because and then, married well, people never have inappropriate <laughs> sexual <laughs> relationships. Never happens. Mm. Right. But, Affairs are but not a thing. But that's that's the argument. I'm not saying, sure. I'm not validating, I'm just saying that's what they say. Totally. So, but I think on the other side of it, for me where I get really frustrated is that we often, um, because we... We don't say it a, a ton, but we we imply it a lot. Well, there's somebody out there for you, mm. as if you aren't enough without the, somebody that's out there for oh, you, right? Man. You know, like this. the uh, the "you complete me" elevator scene from <laughs> right. Jerry Maguire enrages me. I don't think it's an elevator scene. She was. They were in an elevator when they saw the people signing to each other, and said, "What did they say?" Uh, I don't remember. She that. said, "You complete." I just me. remember he comes in the door. At the end, at the end. oh yeah. Well, when they introduce the concept of you complete me, oh, it's in an, yeah. I believe. Well, once again, all y'all, you can find us at Bread and Cup Podcast on <laughs> social. Please, correct I'm sure us. I'm wrong because I was wrong about Pretty and Pink too. So, <laughs> hey, I know, I know my history, my nerdy stuff, and apparently bad pop movies. Right. Yeah. So watch too um, much TV. But but I think that the problem comes into it is that we we subversively talk about it enough about this idea that there's somebody out there for mm-hmm. you. And, and instead, uh, and so people spend a lot of time. So we actually, we went to a Bible college um, and we noticed this a lot in our first few years of Bible college. There's this, there's the, the joke, you know, um, ring by spring or, or your, your money, money back. back idea. Yeah, that's not true. We were engaged pretty early and we still <laughs> had to pay. 
Yeah. Um, uh, well, it took us until the fall to get the ring. Oh, going that's on, true. So, okay. That, yeah. But um, read the fine print. <laughs> so, but but the we we hear the concepts of that, and there's jokes about it and everything. Right. But we saw a lot of people rush to get married and some of it was because of sex i get it right and we'll talk about that next week but like some of it's also about companionship some of it's a lot of times was about like this is what i'm supposed to do this is where i'm supposed to like to be a full and complete human being i gotta get married i gotta have this done and i gotta do this and these are the check the the success boxes yeah yeah and and that is not Actually, the I mean, that is not a godly way to view what we should be seeking. And the problem is, is it creates these false motives in our lives. And it yeah. makes us do things and act in ways that we typically would not do yeah. if we were not driven by it. So by, the, by, by us talking so heavily about how important it is that the one is out there, you spend all of your time looking around every corner wondering, oh, is she the one? Is that the yeah. one? Is that person over there the one? They made, they made me feel tickly in my in my fingers. Careful. And yeah. <laughs> I was going there. Uh, I did that really good. That was good. Yeah. Turn that in corner. In my earlobes. <laughs> and like, like and I think so, belly would have been and safe. We're, you know, I mean, I'm just, I won't use this story because it has to do with somebody in our family. But like, I've heard people say to me like, well, I haven't dated anyone and I'm, I'm this old and I haven't, you know, yeah. and, and all of a sudden we start looking around every corner concerned that we're not going to find our companion for life. Right. And, and that that somehow disqualifies you, that it's some, right. that that lack of permanent partner um, is an indicator that you are somehow lacking, which links us right back to that, that sort of self. It's, it's the inverse of that selfish perspective of arrows, right? If no one has felt arrows towards me, it is because I am undesirable. Mm. And and that is a massive problem because it is really the opposite of the biblical perspective of you are you are be, you are beloved, you are highly valued, you are deeply desired by God, you are a critical member of the Christian community, and none of those things are ever tied biblically to the idea of you being married. Right. Now you can be married and be those things and you can be married and, and you should, and be a good spouse and, and be you a good should parent. feel those things if you are married too. Yeah, right? absolutely. Apart from your spouse, right? But, but, but the biblical view is not one of you will have value. You are desirable because right. your permanent partner sees you as desirable or you have value because your permanent partner has chosen you or values you. It's you have value because you're an image bearing creation of God who God has chosen and is, and you are in relationship, right? You are living out your humanity and you can do that as a single person. You can do that as part of a, of a marriage. And what matters is, are you living out love in community? Are you living out biblical love gospel love and again these statements apply to people who would self-label as christians who are closing the proximity gap if you are not a christian then then i still think that these things are good ideas but they're not going to make sense for you to apply in your life in this way then it becomes a self-help book 
Right. And um, by the way, I, we also and I know Sean already said this, but I, I think we realize the irony of like we are two people that found each other really early on yeah. and it and didn't have to wrestle through this. No. So and we've enjoyed being married to each other. Right. So we have we stand in an immense amount of privilege. But at the same time, like I do think that this is a discussion that you should be having with other people. Yeah. Right. And 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 recognizing like i feel no value because i'm not married i yeah. feel i f- i want companionship or my whole value is tied up to the fact that i am married right yeah, and that your marriage dangerous. will your marriage will improve when you stop seeing your spouse as the thing that gives you value because yeah. they are a full value human who's valuable simply because they are not because and that's coming from somebody like me who, when I went to the gym today, was like, oh, you're Shauna's husband. So. <laughs> Sorry, babe. It's okay. I don't it's, talk very much, so it's no, cool. I don't you're, care. Yeah. I'm good. Externally, outside of this house, you're an introvert and I'm the extrovert. So I make friends wherever we go. Inside the house, we trade those roles. Right. But. So. So there we go. That's our perspective on is love is the greatest of these? Of course, love is... Biblical love, gospel love, is the greatest. But Eros um, is not so much a biblical model and, in fact, isn't even much of a human historical model. Um, so go ahead. Feel your romantic, apparently, finger tingles. Is, or earlobes. Or whatever. earlobes. Yeah, whatever gets you. Um, we're not saying that that in and of itself has a problem. But um, scale back and take a good hard look at um, are you valuing romantic love um, for its own sake. Um, and we would challenge you that if if you say that you're a Christian, uh, take a look at what the Bible says about that and how we are to love each other inside and outside of marriage and how we are to value each other. It's really going to matter for next week's conversation. In the meantime, you can find us where, Corey? At breadandcuppodcast.com. And then you can also check us out on Facebook at uh, Bread and Cup Podcast. Just search it in the little search bar, and you'll find our little Instagram too. gray logo pops up there. Uh, yep. Same as with Instagram. We do uh, have a lot of uh, stuff going out on Instagram, probably where we're most active. Um, yep. And you can add questions. You can uh, DM us all in there as well. We'd love to hear from you. Until next week. To join the conversation, like and subscribe, then find us on Instagram at Bread and Cup Podcast. You can also find us at our website and other social platforms linked in the show notes.